0: Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whomever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray and whomever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that he has no partners. And I bear witness that Muhammad Wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger. We would like to begin this lecture this evening, the 12th lecture in this series of the explanation of the Aqidah of Ahl-Sunnah Wal-Jama'ah as contained in the essay of Al-Imam Ahmed Rahimahullah, the book entitled Usul Al-Sunnah. The fundamentals or the foundations of the Sunnah. Uh, I would like to remind myself and those who have been participating in these lectures or this course of study and the Islamic belief system or the Islamic creed as it is understood by the Ahlu, As-Sunnah, wal Juma'ah the main body of the Muslims those who stuck closely to the Qur'an the word of Allah and to the authentic Sunnah, the way of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as it was understood by his companions the Sahaba, Radiallahu Anhum Ajmain. This aqidah or this creed or system of belief, it is that which is revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to His last Prophet and Messenger Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam for all of humanity until the day of judgment. And it is by knowing, understanding and living according to this creed Practicing it in our daily life and using it as a guide. This is the way, this is the road, inshallah, to earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to reach the destination, His pleasure and His reward, His paradise, al-Jannah, inshallah. In this last lecture of our series, we would like to discuss two points. One of them, the last of them, is related to the seeking of forgiveness and praying the funeral prayer. Salat al-janazah on the Muslim when he passes from this world to the next life. And the other point, the first of the two, is related to the destination of every human being. After they pass from this world, either Al-Jannah, the Paradise, or Al-Nar, the Hellfire. Al-Imam Ahmed, Rahimahullah, began his essay by mentioning to us some very fundamental principles. The first of them, he said, that is, the usul of sunnah or the fundamentals or foundations of the religion is holding fast to that which the companions of the Messenger of Allah ﷺ were upon and taking them as an example or as a model to be followed. And then he went on to mention the other principles, the important foundations or fundamentals, sticking to the Qur'an and sunnah, avoiding bid'ah, avoiding controversy, and discussion and debate with the people of Bidah and avoiding sitting with them and so on. Then he explained so many of the detailed points of the Islamic Aqeedah and finally we are ending in this last last lecture with these two points that I have already mentioned. He says concerning the first of them وَالْجَنَّةُ وَالنَّارُ مَخْلُوقَتًا قد خُلِقَتا كما عن رسول الله صلى الله And paradise and hellfire are two created things. They have already been created, as has come from the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم, meaning in his in the authentic reports or hadith. Then Imam Ahmed mentions. Some a few of those authentic hadith which are proofs of the existence of the paradise and the hellfire, that they are created things and they are already in existence. He says first, quoting from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Al qasran." وَرَأَيْتُ الْكَوْثَرَ He said, the Prophet said, I entered paradise and I saw a castle. And in another report he said, And I saw the river, al the, the river one of the rivers of paradise. This hadith has been narrated in the Sahih of Al-Bukhari the Sunan of An-Nasa'i, the Musnad of Imam Ahmed, on the authority of Jabi ibn Abdullah, رضي الله عنهما, from the Prophet ﷺ. He said, I entered paradise, or I came to paradise, and I saw a castle. And I said, for whom is this? Whose castle is this? They said, it is for Umar ibn al-Khattab, رضي الله عنهما. The Prophet ﷺ said, "The Khaltu al-Jannah." I entered the Paradise. He went inside of the Paradise, and he saw a castle. And in another, in another narration, "Waraitu al and I saw al the river of Paradise. One of the scholars of Islam, al ajuri who died in the year 360 after the Hijra, he said in his book, al sharia No, may Allah have mercy upon us and you, that the Quran testifies to the fact that Allah, the mighty and the majestic, has created paradise and hellfire before he created Adam, and that he created for paradise its inhabitants, and he created for the hellfire its inhabitants, before he brought them, that is these people, before he brought the people into the world. No one over whom Islam has prevailed and overcome And who has tasted the sweet taste of Iman or faith. No one of them differs on this point. The Quran and the Sunnah have indicated this, have proven it. And we seek refuge in Allah from the one who rejects this. Then he went on to mention the proofs from the Quran and the Sunnah. And we will mention some of them. It is also reported about Al-Kawfar in the Sunan of at tirmidhi and the Musnad of Imam Ahmed, on the authority of Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, and it is an authentic hadith about the saying of Allah, aata, al Verily, we have given you the kawfar. Speaking to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Messenger of Allah, Allah said to him, verily, we have given you al-kawfar, the river in paradise. The Prophet ﷺ said in this hadith, explaining about this ayat, he said that Al-Kawthar, it is a river in paradise. Or he said, I saw a river in paradise, the banks of which which are made of hollow pearls. I said, what is this, O Jibreel? The Prophet ﷺ asked the angel Jibreel, what is this? And he said, this is Al-Kawthar, which Allah has given to you. This is Al-Kauthar, which Allah has given to you. The Prophet ﷺ, he saw this river in Paradise, and he asked about it, and he was informed by Jibril that it is Al-Kauthar. Also, Imam Ahmed mentions here: uh, "وَالْتَلَعَتُ فِي النَّارِ فَرَأَيْتُ أَكْثَرَ أَحْلِهَا وَأَكْثَرُ أَحْلِهَا كَذَا وَكَذَا." He said, I looked into the hellfire. The Prophet ﷺ said, I looked into the hellfire. And I saw that most of its inhabitants were women. Or most of its inhabitants, according to another narration, were such and such or so and so. This hadith is reported by al-Bukhari and Muslim, and in the Sunan of al-Tirmidhi and al-Nasai and the Musnad of Imam Ahmad from Abdullah ibn Abbas may Allah be pleased with him and his father that the Prophet said I looked into the hellfire and I saw that most of its inhabitants were women and I looked into paradise and I saw that most of its inhabitants were poor people Imam Ahmed also reporting these Various narrations of hadith proving the existence of the paradise and the hellfire. He said that the Prophet ﷺ said, And I looked into the hellfire and I saw in it such and such and so and so. These few narrations, and there are many other proofs make us to know that the Prophet ﷺ actually entered the paradise and he saw and described many things. And he also was shown the hellfire and he described some of what he saw in the hellfire. Imam Ahmed says, based on these reports, أَنَّهُمَا لَمْ تُخْلَقَا فَهُوَ مُكَذِّبٌ بِالْقُرْآنِ وَأَحَدِيثِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى الله عليه وسلم ولا أحسبه he says, "So whoever claims that they or these two things, the paradise and the hellfire, are not created; whoever claims that they are not yet created, that they don't already exist, then he is a denier of the Quran and the Hadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu And I do not consider that such a person believes in the paradise and the hellfire." Also from the proofs, other proofs that Imam Ahmed didn't mention of the existence of the paradise and the hellfire is the report from Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu uh, in the story of al-Isra wal-Mi'raj, the story of the night journey and the ascension to the seven heavens. In that hadith as reported in al-Bukhari and Muslim, Anas... Mm -hmm that the Prophet said, Jibril. Then Jibreel went forth with me, المنتهى, until I reached the furthest low tree. Then that sidra or low tree was covered. By colors Which I, did, I cannot even describe Or I don't know what they are Then the Prophet Sallallahu Said after seeing that low tree He said Then I entered The paradise This hadith is reported by Al-Bukhari and Muslim And also This is confirmation Of the Quran In Surah Al-Najm Verses 13 to 15. where so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ رَآهُ نَزْلَةً أُخْرَىٰ عِنْدَ صِدْرَةِ الْمُنْتَهَىٰ عِنْدَهَا جَنَّةُ الْمَأْوَىٰ That certainly he saw him in another descent. That is the angel Jibril at the صِدْرَةُ muntaha The furthest low tree. عِنْدَهَا جَنَّةُ الْمَأْوَىٰ And at that place is the jannah called al-ma'wa. Jannatul And the Prophet Sallallahu said When he went to the furthest low tree, Then he actually entered the paradise And in another hadith reported by Anas Radiallahu Anhu Collected by Al-Imam Muslim in his Sahih It is reported that the Prophet Sallallahu Swore by Allah and said Law ma If you all had seen what I saw لَدَحَقْتُم قَلِيلًا وَبَتَيْتُمْ kathiran." you would have cried much. Or you would have laughed a little and you would have cried much. If you had seen what I've seen, you would laugh little. You wouldn't be laughing so much, but you would be crying much. قَالُوا وَمَا رَأَيْتَ يَا رَسُولُ اللَّهِ And they said to him, And what is it that you have seen, O Messenger of Allah? قَالَ الْجَنَّةِ وَالنَّارِ He said, I have seen the paradise and the hellfire. If you had seen what I had seen, you would laugh little and you would cry much. This is because of the fearful sight and the terror, terrorist condition of the hellfire and those who would enter it. And even, what is even more clear than these hadiths is the hadith reported by at tirmidhi on the authority of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, in which he reported that the Prophet وسلم, said, Lamma Allah al that when Allah created the heaven, the paradise, and the hellfire, he sent Jibril to look at the paradise, and he sent Jibril to look at the hellfire, and he described what he saw. In this hadith, the Prophet وسلم, said, Lamma Allah al that at the time when Allah created the paradise and the hellfire, he sent Jibril to see them. That is, in the beginning of time, when he created the heavens and the earth, when he created, at that time, before he created the human beings and the people who would enter the hellfire and the paradise, he created the hellfire and the paradise first and he sent Jibril to see them. And this hadith is a very important hadith which has a long explanation that perhaps inshallah we will take at another time as a separate and independent. Lecture, insha'Allah. Sheikh Abdullah ibn Abdurrahman ibn Jibreen, hafizahullah, he said in his Sharh of this essay, Usul Sunnah, on this point, he said that this matter, the paradise and the hellfire, and they having been created and existing now, presently, this is also one of the points of Al Iman bil Yawm al Akhirah. That this is also one of the points of faith or Al Iman in the last day that is to have faith that the paradise exists now, that it is something created already, and so also the hellfire. And this is in opposition to some of the people of philosophy and the Mu'atazila, some of those deviant people and others such as them who claim that Allah will bring into existence the hellfire and the paradise on the day of resurrection. They said, right now, These things do not exist. They are not present. There is no hellfire and paradise in existence now. And we say that as long as the hadith, the authentic hadith of the Prophet ﷺ is very clear on this point and that the Prophet ﷺ has informed us clearly that he entered the paradise and he saw in it such and such and so and so and he was shown the hellfire and he saw inside of it such and such and so and so then this is sufficient proof for us about the existence of these two things, that they are something created and they are already in existence. And on the day of resurrection they will be brought out, they will be brought forth. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, وَأُذْلِفَةِ الْجَنَّةُ لِلْمُكْتَقِينَ And the paradise will be brought forth for the righteous. وَبُرِذَةِ الْجَحِيمُ لِلْغَوِينَ And so also the hellfire will be brought forth for those who deviate this means that the hellfire and the paradise on the day of resurrection they will be brought forth although they already exist. And also in the hadith the Prophet ﷺ said al-yūm bi bi-jahannam," That the paradise will be brought forth on the day of resurrection and this hadith is the explanation of the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran bi-jahannam," And that the paradise will be brought forth That is, it will be dragged forth by the angels, as the Prophet ﷺ informed us in the authentic hadith. So many of the scholars also discussed this point and confirmed this as it was mentioned here by Imam Ahmed, it was also mentioned by many other scholars of the early generations of the Muslims and by our contemporary scholars, and of those from the early generations is Abu Muhammad Abdullah ibn Abi Zaid, Who was a great scholar of the Maliki Madhab. And he was known as Al-Malik As-Tagheer. Uh, in recognition of his closeness to the knowledge and the character of Imam Malik. Rahimahullah. He said in his essay, Aqidat Ahlul Sunnah Al-Jama'ah, That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, qad That Allah has already definitely created the paradise. وَعَدَّهَا دَارَ خلود بأوليائه, أوليائه, And he has prepared it as a permanent home for his awliya, those who are the friends of Allah. Allah has prepared the paradise for them. And he has honored them in it بِالنَّذَرِ إِلَى وَجْهِهِ الْكَرِيمِ By being able to see. He has honored them by allowing them to see his noble face, the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he said, فَعَدَّهَا And he has also created the hellfire and he has prepared it as a permanent and lasting home for those who disbelieved in him. Likewise, or similarly, also Al-Imam Al-Tahawi, who we have mentioned so many times, uh, Abu Ja'far Al-Tahawi, in his book Al-Aqidah, Al-Tahawiyyah, and Imam al-Tahawi was a great Hanafi scholar of the madhab of Imam Abu Hanifa, rahimahullah. And he, as the scholars of the Hanbali madhab and the scholars of the Maliki madhab and all of the scholars of the early generations of the Muslims, and of the later generations of the people of Sunnah, they confirmed likewise, in similar wording, as Imam al-Tahawi said, وَالْجَنَّةُ وَالنَّارُ مَخْلُوقَتًا the paradise and the hellfire are two created things. لا abadan أبدا ولا They will never cease to exist. Or they will never perish or come to an end. And then he said that Allah Ta'ala created the paradise and the hellfire before he created the rest of creation. And he created for them their people. That is, He created for the paradise people and He created for the hellfire people. So whoever He willed would be sent to the paradise by His favor, and whoever He willed would be sent to the hellfire by His justice. And all of the people, they will do, they will do that which uh, they were created for and they will proceed to that which they were created for. As Allah decreed it. In the commentary or in the some remarks of Sheikh Muhammad Nasruddin Al-Albani, Hafidahullah, on this uh, essay of Imam Al-Tahawi, Al-Aqidah Tahawiyah, on this point, Al-Sheikh Al-Albani, he says, know that the hellfire in the next life, it is two fires. There are two types of fire in the next life. One fire which will cease to exist. And another fire which, which will remain forever and will never cease to exist. The first of those fires is Nar al-Usaat, al-Muznideen min al-Muslimin. The first of those fires is the fire for the disobedient, the sinners from amongst the Muslims. And the second or the other of those fires is the Narul al-Kuffar al-Mushrikeen, the fire that has been prepared for the disbelievers and the pagans who worship others besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the summary of the conclusion of Ibn Qayyim, Rahimahullah, the great student of Ibn Taymiyyah, in his book al wabil al as And this is the truth. It is the right opinion. There is no doubt about it. And it is the opinion that brings together or combines and makes reconciliation between all of the evidences, those which seem to suggest that there are some people who would not remain in the hellfire, forever, that is those who died on Tawheed but they were sinners, then they would be in a fire and they would come out of that fire and then those evidences would show that the people who go in the hell fire would stay in it forever, that means the fire which is prepared for the disbelievers and the pagans who disbelieved in Allah and who worshipped other than Allah then uh, finally and all of the scholars of Aqidah, they also uh they mentioned similar points but the last one that i want to mention is the statement of ibn qudama rahimahullah who was a great hanbali scholar and he said in his book lum'atul i'tiqad uh concerning this very point he said wal jannatu Wa makhluqatan la tafniyan Similar, as we heard all, already from Imam al-Tahawi, that the paradise and the hellfire are two created things which will never cease to exist. فَالْجَنَّةُ مَأْوَىٰ أَوْلِيَائِهِ The paradise is the home for his awliya, for the awliya of Allah. وَالنَّارُ إِقَابُ Ada'ihi And the hellfire is the punishment for his enemies. And the people of the hellfire would be in it eternally, as Allah said in the Quran and Surah Al-Zukhraf, إِنَّ الْمُجْرِمِينَ فِي عَذَابِ خالِدُونَ That verily, the criminals, the sinners, I mean the disbelievers and pagans, they would be in the punishment of the hellfire forever. Then, of the contemporary scholars, Shaykh Muhammad ibn Salih al he said in his explanation of this book, Lumat al he said that about the Jannah and the Hellfire, he mentioned four points, that they are already created, that they will never cease to exist, where is their place, and who are their people. First he mentioned that Al-Jannah and al Al-Jannah linguistically it means Al-Bustan, Al-Kathir al ashja it means a garden which has many trees. But legally in Islam, in the technical language of Islam, it means the home which Allah has prepared in the next life for the muttaqin, the righteous. He said, Annar nar linguistically is very well known, it is the fire. And shar'an, or in the legal terminology, it means the home which Allah has prepared in the next life, lil kafireen, for the disbelievers. Then he said that these two, the hellfire and the paradise, they are created already, and this is based on the saying of Allah, Subhanahu wa ta'ala about Al Jannah, that the paradise has already been prepared for the mutaqeen, the righteous, those who fear Allah, who have taqwa. And about the hellfire, Allah said also that first ayah in Surah Al Imran, chapter 3, verse 133, and this, this ayah about the hellfire, He said, in Surah Baqarah, chapter 2, verse 24, that the hellfire has already been prepared. For the disbelievers, and then he said about the uh, paradise and the hellfire that they would not cease to exist; that they would never pass away nor perish. The proof of, of this about the uh, is that Allah, Allah is saying in Surah Taheyina, verse eight: جَزَاؤُهُمْ عِندَ رَبِّهِمْ جَنَّاتُ عَدَنٍ. تَجَرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارُ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أبدا. That their reward, the righteous people, their reward will be with their Lord. It is gardens of permanent or everlasting gardens under, underneath which rivers flow. خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا And they would remain in it forever. They would remain in it or it would remain forever. It would never cease to exist. And as for the... Ayats of the permanent existence of the paradise, there are many, and they are not disputed. But as for the hellfire, the dispute is concerning it, and we will mention some of the proofs that the hellfire is permanent and that it would not cease to exist. That is the hellfire that is prepared for the disbelievers and the pagans. It is mentioned in Surah Nisa, verse 168 and 169, chapter 4. Inna kafaroo wa lam lahum. وَلَا طَرِيقًا إِلَّا tariqa جَهَنَّمْ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا That verily those who disbelieve and who do oppression or wrongdoing worshipping something other than Allah and so on then Allah would never forgive them and Allah would never guide them except a way that leads to the hellfire خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا and they would remain in it forever and ever and also in Surah Ahzab Verse 64 and 65, Surah Al Ahzab, I think, is chapter 33 or 34. Inna al kafirina That verily really Allah has cursed the disbelievers and has prepared for them sa'ira, a flaming or blazing fire, fiha abada, and they would remain in it forever and ever. And also in Surah Al Jin, I think Surah Al Jin is 72, verse uh, 23. وَمَنْ يَعْتِ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهَ فَإِنَّ لَهُ نَارَ جَهَنَّمْ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا And whoever disobeys Allah and his messenger then verily for him is the fire of jahannam the hellfire خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا and he would remain in it forever and ever and also the saying of Allah in Surah al chapter 43 verse 74 and 75 إِنَّ الْمُجْرِمِينَ فِي عَذَابِ جَهَنَّمْ that verily the mujrimoon the, the wicked, evil, disbelievers and pagans they, are, they will be in the punishment of Jahannam khalidun forever remaining in it permanently la wahum fihi and that punishment or that torment in the hellfire will never be lightened for them and they will be plunged into it into destruction in deep regret or sorrow or despair so these are some of the proofs of the permanent existence of the paradise and the hellfire. And then he mentions the place of the paradise and the place of the fire. He says that the paradise is the aada It is in the highest place of illiyeen, and this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah al verse 18: Kalla إِنَّ kitab al-abarari la fi Nay, but verily the record or the book. Of the abra, the righteous, the pure, the pious. Lafi It is in illiyyin. And it goes on to explain what is illiyyin. Wa ma adaratama kitabun marqum. That it is illiyyin. What will make you to know what it is? It is a book or a register inscribed. It is the record of the deeds of the people. Verily... The record of the abara, of the righteous or pious, لَفِي إِلِّيِّينَ It is in al and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in an authentic hadith that is very well known. It is the hadith of Al-Bara ibn Azib radiyallahu anhu and the story of the trial of the grave. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in this very very long hadith فَيَقُولُ اللَّهُ وجل, then Allah, The mighty and the majestic who say اُكْتُبُوا kitaba abdi Then when that person is taken up to the heavens, Allah would say, write the book of my servant, speaking about the believer, write it in the illiyyin, in the highest places, and then return him to the earth, that is, until the day of resurrection. Because the body would stay in the earth until the day of resurrection, when it will be resurrected and the people will be judged, and each one sent to their destination, paradise, or hellfire. As for the hellfire, he said that it is asfala, It is the lowest and the lowest of places and this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also in Surah al verse 7 where Allah says, Kalla inna kitab al Verily the record of the deeds of the fujjar, the disbelievers, the sinners or the evil and wicked people, lafi sijjin. That it is in sijjin. And what will make you know what is the sijjin وَمَا أَدْرَاكَ مَا Sijjeeen كِتَابٌ It is also a record inscribed. And the Prophet ﷺ said in that same hadith about the Sijjeeen. اللَّهُ تعالى Then Allah the Most High would say اُقْتُبُوا كِتَابَ Abdi فِي سجين. Write the record of my place that is about the disbeliever. Write his record فِي al فِي As Sufla. Write it in Sijjeeen that record which would be in the lowest part of the earth, in the bottom of the earth. And finally, as for the people of the paradise and the hellfire, and this is the most important thing, we hope that our studies of Islam, of the Quran and of the Sunnah, and of the Islamic laws, would be for the purpose of seeking the pleasure of Allah, of following those instructions, and living our life according to those guidelines, so that perhaps we would be of the people of Al-Jannah, and and we seek refuge from being in the hell file. He said that the people of Jannah is every mu'min, taqi, every believer and pious person who has taqwa. Because these are the awliya of Allah, these are really the awliya of Allah, the friends of Allah. As Allah Ta'ala says about al-Jannah, lil It has been prepared for the people of taqwa, the pious and righteous. In Surah Al-Imran chapter 3, verse 33, and in Surah al hadid verse 21, he said, That this paradise has been prepared for those who آمَنُوا بِاللَّهِ ورسولي, Those who believe in Allah and His messengers. So the paradise has been prepared for the muttaqeen and the mu'mineen, the believers, those who are pious. As for the people of the hellfire, and we seek refuge in Allah from being of the people of the hellfire, He said that the people of the hell fires every kafir, shaqi, every disbeliever and wretched person As Allah Ta'ala says about the fire That it has been prepared for the disbelievers That's in Surah Baqarah chapter 2 verse 24 And he said also in Surah hud verse 106 As for those who are wretched then they would be in the fire This is what we wanted to say about these two things, the paradise and the hellfire. And it is of utmost importance that we always reflect on these things. And we seek Allah's guidance from the Qur'an and from the sunnah of the Prophet that we will be able to avoid that hellfire and that we would be able to attain by Allah's bounty and His mercy the jannah or the paradise. And the last point of the essay of Imam Ahmed, he closes with this point. He says, That whoever dies from amongst the people of the Qibla, Ahlul Qibla, the people of our Qibla, the Kaaba, the people who pray towards our Qibla, the direction of the Kaaba, that means the people of the religion of Islam, whoever dies from amongst the Muslims, and he is in a state of acknowledging and declaring the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at Tawheed. He is living his life according to Tawheed and not worshipping something besides Allah or making shirk of any type. Whoever dies from amongst the people of the Qibla uh, as a muwahid, one testifying to the unity or to the uniqueness, not the unity but the uniqueness of Allah in his rububiyyah Lordship, and in his uluhiyya, his right of worship, that he alone should be worshipped, and in his asma wa sifat, in his names and attributes, that he alone deserves the perfect names and perfect characteristics or attributes. Whoever dies in such a state, that he has acknowledged and lived according to the tawheed of Allah in these three things, his lordship, he is the only creator and provider, the owner of everything. Whoever dies living according to this, and worshipping Allah alone, and acknowledging that Allah alone deserves the perfect names and attributes, then prayer is performed over him and forgiveness is sought for him. Prayer is performed over him. We should make janazah salat. salatul janazah We should pray for such a one from amongst the Muslims who died on Tawheed. And we should also seek forgiveness for him. We should ask Allah to forgive his sins. Then Imam Ahmed, he says, وَلَا يُحْجَبُ عَنْهُ الْإِسْتِغْفَارِ Seeking forgiveness is not to be withheld from him. That is, we should not abandon him. We should ask forgiveness for him. وَلَا تتركوا عَلَيْهِ And also the prayer should not be... We should not abandon praying over him. لِذَنْبٍ أَذْنَبَهُ صَغِيرًا كَانَ أَوْ كَبِيرًا أَمْرُهُ إِلَى اللَّهِ تعالى. We should not abandon praying over him on account of any sin which he committed regardless of whether it is a small sin or a big sin, know for sure that his affair is with Allah, the Mighty, the Most High. And this is the end of the essay of Imam Ahmed. We would just like to mention a few points concerning this last, or a few evidences concerning this and the summary of uh, Shaykh Ibn Jibrin. First, uh, concerning the fact of seeking forgiveness for those who died from amongst the Muslims, on Tawheed, Allah says in the Quran, Surah Hashir, verse 10, وَالَّذِينَ جَاءُوا مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ يَقُولُونَ Those who came after them, they say, رَبَّنَا لَنَا الَّذِينَ بِالْإِيمَانِ They say, oh our Lord, please forgive us and forgive our brothers from amongst those who came before us of the believers, those who preceded us. In Iman, then we also, Allah says that, they, that we would seek forgiveness for ourselves and for them. And this is because we have been prohibited from uh, seeking forgiveness. And we have been prohibited from making salat on the one who died, on other than tawheed. Yani the one who died on shirk or kufr. And this is based on the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in surah Tawbah chapter 9, verse 84, وَلَا تُصَلِّ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ مَاتَ يعني, and don't pray on any one of them who died, don't ever pray for any one of them who died, وَلَا taqum ala قَبْرِهِ and don't stand over his grave, that means over the disbelievers or the pagans. Allah ordered the Prophet ﷺ, and by extension all of the believers, وَلَا ala ahadin minhum مِّنْهُمْ مَاتَ أَبَدًا Don't ever pray, over any one of them who died, وَلَا تَكُمْ and don't stand over his grave to pray for him. And also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Tawbah, in the same chapter 9 verse 113, مَا كَانَ للنبي والذين آمنوا It is not right for the Prophet, nor for those who believe, the Muslims who believed in him, who believed in Allah and followed him, and يَسْتَغْفِرُوا لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ وَلَوْ مِنْ بَعْدِ ما تَبَيَّنَ لَهُمْ أَنَّهُمْ أصحاب الْجَحِيمِ And it is not proper, it is not acceptable, it is not right or permissible for the Prophet and those who believe that they should seek forgiveness for the Mushrikeen, the pagans who worship other than Allah, even if they are their nearest relatives. After it has been made clear, after it has been made clear, أَنَّهُمْ أصحاب الجحيم, That they are the companions of the hellfire, that is, If they died on disbelief and shirk, then it became clear that they are of the people of hellfire. In that case, it is not permissible for the Prophet ﷺ, nor for the believers to seek forgiveness for them, even if they were their nearest of relatives. While they are alive, we may ask Allah to guide them and pray for them, for their guidance. But once they are there, it is not permissible to ask forgiveness for them. As for the believers, the opposite is so. Those who died on Tawheed, we are required to ask for their forgiveness and to pray for them. So Al-Imam Ahmed has made it clear that this right of seeking forgiveness and praying for the one who died it is the right even of the person who died having committed sins whether they are minor or major as long as he died as a muwahid as long as he died on Tawheed and he was from the people of the Qibla and this is a very important condition that Imam Ahmed has placed here when he said, Waman mata min ahlil qibla muwahidan. Whoever died from the people of the Qibla, from the Muslims, but he, and he is Muwahidan. This is a very important condition because it clarifies to us two things. The first of them is that even though a shirk, Billah, making something as a god besides Allah or worshipping or giving worship to something other than Allah, any form of worship, even though this shirk, is one of the major sins. And it is the biggest of the major sins. But it is not included in the statement of Imam Ahmed here when he says that we should not leave off performing prayer or asking forgiveness for anyone who died because of any sin, whether it is small or minor, major or minor sin. This shirk is not included in such. This means all other major sins, whether it is fornication, whether it is killing, robbery or whatever, disobedience to parents, all of those things, do not prevent us from praying for the Muslim who died on Tawheed. In spite of his sins, we still pray for him, no matter if they were major or minor, unless it is shirk. And this point or this condition uh, is made clear by Imam Ahmed when he said, everyone who died from amongst the people of the Qibla, muwahidan, yani on Tawheed and not having died on shirk. So whoever uh, performed or who died, having died on shirk, then he is not included in this, that is, the asking of forgiveness and the praying over him. And the second point that is also very, very significant, and it really requires some explanation, and I don't think we have the ability to do it this evening, but anyway, we may briefly mention it. The second point that we understand from this condition that Imam Ahmed mentions here, that the people who are included in this are the people who died on Tawheed. We should also know that someone might have died, having committed minor sins, minor sins, not even major sins, minor sins, but they thought lightly of their sins, and they continued in their sins, even they considered those sins that they committed to be lawful, to be permissible, they didn't consider that they are doing anything wrong. Even though Allah prohibited it, in their mind, in their heart, they said, nonetheless, I consider it lawful. I consider it permissible. And they do. Minor sin, But declaring those things to be permissible that Allah has declared forbidden. Then the person who died in this condition, committing minor sins, but thinking lightly of it and considering it to be lawful even though Allah and his Prophet ﷺ declared those things to be haram, then that person actually by declaring what Allah made unlawful by declaring it lawful that person actually goes out of Islam and that person cannot be called a muwahid. In that case that person should be considered as a disbeliever. And we should not think here that this statement can be understood that we are declaring any particular individual specifically as a kafir. No. Because the ruling of a certain action as being kufr does not necessarily mean that the one who does that action can also be declared as a kafir. And we discussed this in the last lecture when we mentioned uh, some very important principles that have to be observed in reference to the matter of declaring a Muslim as a kafir. This is a very dangerous matter, we are not saying that a person who died in this condition that he specifically is a kafir. But we we are saying that this act of declaring lawful what Allah has declared unlawful, it is an action of kufr. It is an action of kufr. And that person cannot be declared as a muwahid. And in any case, Allah is the final judge of all matters. Allah knows what is in the hearts of the people and Allah is the judge of their condition. Sheikh Abdullah ibn Jibreen, he says in summary of this last point, that it has been reported in the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu that we should pray on those who say illallah," that there is nothing that has the right to be worshipped except Allah. So those people who entered into Islam and they openly displayed their Islam then they are considered to be of the people of Islam. And they are considered to be Sins which do not make that person become a kafir. There are some sins, there are some acts which take a person out of Islam. But those sins which do not make a person to become a kafir, major or minor sins, we still pray over that person. Uh, Then he said, he mentioned the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about the munafiqeen that we already mentioned. ولا تُصَلِّ عَلَىٰ أَحَدٍ تَأَبَدًا تَكُمْ عَلَىٰ قَبْرِهِ Don't pray over any one of them. Of the hypocrites who showed Islam but they were really hypocrites, don't pray over them when they died uh, and don't stand over their graves. Because these people were hypocrites and it became clear, their hypocrisy, it was clear and it was known. And therefore the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, they didn't used to pray over those whom they had doubt about their affairs. They had doubt, was this person really a believer or a hypocrite? They wouldn't pray until the likes of Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiyallahu anhu, may Allah be pleased with him, until he uh, prayed over such a person. If they saw him praying, then they would also pray because Hudayfa radiyallahu anhu had been informed by the Prophet sallallahu alayhi of the names of the hypocrites. So he knew even in their lifetime by being informed from the Prophet who were the believers and who were the hypocrites. So they used to wait and see if Hudaifa prayed over someone that they were in doubt about, they would see if he prayed, and if he did then they would also pray pray along with him. As for the other Muslims, about which there's no doubt, even if they committed sin and they have shortcomings, then we pray over them. And we leave their affair to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we believe that their sins do not take them out of Islam. And we also say, that the person who commits sins, in fact, has is more in need, that we should pray for him, for his forgiveness, than the person who is not a sinner. The sinner has more right, and he is more in need of such. So, he, we should pray for him for sure, and we should ask for his forgiveness, and we should ask Allah to be merciful to him, uh, so that Allah will forgive him, inshaAllah. The Shaykh also goes on to mention the people of bid'ah uh, that we shouldn't pray over them. That is, those whose bid'ah is bid'ah mukaffirah, yani the innovations that actually are kufr, not the minor innovations, but the innovations that are actually kufr. Uh, those such people, we shouldn't pray over them. And we know that from amongst the early generations of the Muslims, the callers to innovation, like the people of the Jahmiyyah, and the Mu'atadila, and Rafidah, and such people, particularly he mentioned here the Jahmiyyah, and he mentioned the Rafidah, the Jahmiyyah of amongst their beliefs, and I think we passed out some definitions of some of these groups in the last lecture. One of their main uh, deviations was that they denied the attributes of Allah and also the names of Allah. And the Rafida declared the kufr, or disbelief of the companions of the Prophet, such type of innovation as this. This is the innovation that is innovation, or it is uh, what is called the innovation of kufr, that that actually makes a person to become a kafir. So such people shouldn't be prayed over, uh, nor should they be supplicated for. Uh, Then also he said that, some of the, that some of the imams, sometimes they wouldn't pray over some of the people who were sinners, not because it was not permissible to pray over them, but in order that it be a warning to the other people to avoid uh, such sins. But the imam would allow someone else to pray over such a person, so that he would not be denied the right of prayer over him and the action of forgiveness, but it would also be a warning Uh, to the people to avoid such sinful behavior and sinful acts this is the end of what he said and uh, before closing though I would also like to just quickly quote uh, a few points I think we have a few minutes left five or ten minutes Uh, concerning this point that Imam Ahmed mentioned here uh, seeking forgiveness for the people who died, even if they were sinners, sinners and praying for them, salatul janaza. And remember, Tahawi says in his book, Akhirat Tahawi, we hope that Allah will forgive all of those who were good in their actions, and will let them into Paradise out of His mercy. And we are hopeful of this, but we do not testify that they will definitely enter Paradise. That's for the good people. As for the sinners, we seek forgiveness for all of those who do wrong. Although we are worried about their final end, but we do not allow ourselves to fall into despair about them. We don't give up hope of Allah's mercy for them, the sinners. And he said in another point, we allow prayer or the salat over the dead, uh, behind every pious and sinful person. We pray behind them, even if they are pious or sinful, if they are the imam among the people of the qibla and similarly, we also consider it proper and permissible to pray the funeral prayer over both of them, that is the pious and the sinful. Uh, the final point that we want to mention concerning this is a brief explanation related to the point of uh The matter of a person who dies having committed minor sins, major sins or minor sins, but even if they are minor sins, if they died having committed these minor sins, but they considered that these minor sins are not sins, they considered such acts as lawful, even though Allah declared these acts to be unlawful. Al-Imam Al-Tahawi, he says about this that we don't declare any one of the people of the tibla, the Muslims, we don't declare them to be kafirs for any sin, as long as they don't consider that sinful act to be permissible. Sheikh Nasr al-Albani, in his explanation or his commentary on this point by Imam at tahawi he says that the considering of something lawful But he means here, he means those who in their heart consider it lawful. They in their aqidah or their belief, they consider such a thing as lawful even though Allah declared it unlawful. We don't mean here the one who considers it lawful by his deeds. Because every sinner, by his action, it is a testimony or a statement that he considers such a thing as lawful. By him doing it, it is, by his action, it is as though he is declaring such a thing as lawful. But we are not saying that the one who does the act, that he becomes a kafir by declaring it lawful through action, but we mean that the one who becomes a kafir is the one who declares it lawful by holding the belief in his heart that what Allah has declared unlawful, that it is lawful. So it is a necessity to make a distinction between the people who hold something as lawful in their heart, these people, they are considered to be kafirs by consensus of the scholars, by ijma'ah, as opposed to those who hold it lawful through their actions, or declare it to be lawful by doing such things. These people are considered to be sinners, and they deserve to be punished with a suitable punishment unless Allah decides to forgive them and Allah may forgive them if He pleases, then after such, after such punishment or forgiveness from Allah, they would be saved from the hellfire by the iman, or the faith that they have, even though they were sinners. This is in contradiction to the khawarij and the Mu'tazila, who declared the people who commit major sins to be kafirs. And we have some people even in this time, in present time, though so they are not called khawarij, and they are not called Mu'tazila. And some people said these groups are old and they don't exist anymore. There's no need to discuss, to discuss such. But we say that there are even groups of people today, individuals and groups, who follow the philosophy or the ideology or the aqidah of the khawarij and the mu'atazila because of some misconceptions or confusion that they have in their mind in misunderstanding some of the texts of the Qur'an and sunnah, such as those hadith which we mentioned in the last lecture, which says that a person who does such and so such and such and so and so, then he is a kafir, or the person who does such and such and so and so, he has committed an act of kufr. These people, because they misunderstood these things, then they they became confused and decided that the person who commits such acts, as mentioned in these hadiths, then that person is a kafir. And we are saying, as we mentioned last week, that the act may be an act of kufr, but it is not our right to declare that person as a kafir. Uh, in the explanation of al-Qira Tahawiyah, the one who explained the book, he mentions the opinion of the Ahl al-Sunnah wal-Jama'a, who say that al-Iman is Kawal wal-Amal. That Iman is not only belief in the heart, but it is also speech Qawl, and it is also actions Amal. It increases and it decreases, and that sins, no matter what kind of sin, major or minor, that these sins are what is considered to be maybe if it is if it is called kufr, it is kufr Amali. The sins, the action that a person does that has been described as kufr, it is kufr amali, kufr in actions, not kufr i'tiqadi or kufr in belief or kufr in the heart, like the person who doesn't even believe in Allah or who worships something other than Allah. So he said that kufr with the Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah has degrees. As Ibn Abbas said, kufr Duna kufr. It is, there are levels of kufr that are less than the major kufr. Of the castes like the Christians and the Jews and the pagans. There is kufr that is less than that. Some of them call it minor kufr. So just as Iman has levels, so also kufr has levels. Then he gave the example of those people. And this is a very important example. And it is a living example that we are experiencing today. It is the example of those people who misunderstood the Quran. Where Allah says that verily those who rule by other than what Allah has revealed. Then they are fa'sikun that they are valimoon, that they are kafirun, that they are wicked people, sinners, that they are wrongdoers, oppressors, or they are kafirs. Allah used three words here, and so there are levels of those people who rule by other than what Allah has revealed. Some of them might be فَاسِكُون, wrongdoers, or evil people, wicked, and some of them might be moon, those who transgress, transgress the bounds, wrongdoers, or oppressors, and some of them might be kafirun. but it's not for us to declare Uh these things to declare anyone personally or individually as a Kafir, as we mentioned, there are certain conditions and there are rules, and this is the right of the scholars, the people of knowledge, and not for every individual Muslim to declare a person as such. So those people, they misunderstood these verses of Quran, and based on that, they began to declare any person who was in a land or in a country or in a government where they weren't ruling by the Islamic Sharia, then they said these people are Kafirs. They are outside of the of the religion of Islam. They don't belong to the ummah of Islam. But the correct position, the position of the Ahlul Sunnah Wal Jamaa, is that those the ruling by other than what Allah has revealed, the person who does such might be a kafir outside of Islam, or who he might be a uh, a, a sinner who has committed a sin, major or minor sin, or otherwise. So he said, this is depending on the condition of the person who is ruling by other than what Allah has revealed. If that person believes that his ruling or his judgment by other than the Islamic Sharia, if he believes that ruling by other than the Islamic Sharia is not obligatory, that, that it is his right to do such, it is not obligatory to rule by the Islamic law, if he believes that in his heart that he has the choice to choose the Islamic law or not, that it's not binding on him, then such a person, if he knows that this Islamic law is really the law of Allah and, and he abandons it as though he has no obligation to it, then that person, he is really a kafir. This is the real major kufur that takes somebody out of Islam. But if he is a person who believes that it's obligatory to rule by the law of Allah, and he knows what is the law of Allah in a certain matter, but he doesn't rule by it. But nonetheless, even though he doesn't rule by it, he acknowledges acknowledges that it's binding on him and he knows that he is deserving to be punished for, for abandoning it, then that person is not declared to be a kafir, but he is called a aasi or a disobedient person, a sinner. And that person, if he is called a kafir, it is kufr, i.e. asgar or minor kufr, kufr duna kufr. It is the lesser type of kufr. It is kufr in actions, and it, it doesn't take him out of Islam. The third possibility is a person rules by other than what Allah has revealed, but he rules by other laws out of ignorance because he didn't have proper knowledge. He tried. He strived and he struggled to reach the right decision, but he missed the mark and he didn't come to know the correct ruling that Allah has sent down because of his ignorance. And he made a mistake and ruled by other than what Allah has revealed. Then that person is not considered to be a kafir, not major kufr, nor minor kufr, but that person is a mukti and he is a person we say that he has committed an error and if he is a mujtahid or of the people of knowledge then there is a reward for him for his effort to try to reach the correct decision and he is also forgiven for his mistake so it is important here to keep in mind that all of what we discussed related to kufr it should be in light of these points that the person uh, depending on his condition if he has said such a thing or done such an action with knowledge, with the knowledge of what he is doing, that it is wrong, and he denies that it is wrong, then this is major kufr that takes somebody out of Islam. But if he admits that what he is doing is wrong, he acknowledges that the law of Allah is correct and right and perfect, but he abandons it for some other reason out of weakness or whatever, then that person is a sinful person, a wrongdoer. And if he does it out of ignorance, then he is forgiven for his ignorance. But he should at least make the effort and ask the people of knowledge and try to search for the truth. And if he made every effort, then Allah forgives him for his uh, mistake. And finally, in closing, uh, because it's time for the adhan now, uh, I just want to remind us that we mentioned some points last week about kufr. One of them is that there is a difference between kufr amali and kufr irtiqadi. There is a difference between kufr and actions and kufr in the heart, in belief. We have to make a distinction between the two. Don't get them mixed up. If somebody does an action of kufr, don't say that that person is a kafir, like a Christian or a Jew or a pagan. We have to make a distinction between them. The second thing that we said is that we have to also be sure uh, that when someone does an action, we should be sure that it is really an action of kufr, and not Ignorantly declare something which we believe is an action of kufr as such even though it may not be. We have to distinguish also between the ruling or the judgment of kufr on the action and the judgment of kufr on the person, the one who does that action. There is a difference between saying that this word or this speech or this statement or this action is a statement or an action of kufr and saying that that person is a kafir. We have to make a distinction between declaring the action as kufr and declaring the person as a kafir. And also we said that we need to look at the person even if his act is really an action of kufr, and we have to know if that person is doing it for some reason, out of ignorance, or being forced to do it, being compelled to do it, or for some other reason because he misunderstood, we have to make a distinction uh, between the person who does something knowingly and willingly, and the person who does it unknowingly or unwillingly. We have to look at the condition of the person who is doing such an action, and finally we have to look at the one who is making the judgment, not everyone has the right to declare uh, anyone to be a kafir. This is only the right of the scholars who know the conditions for such. And we should not do it even if we looked at everything else. Uh, the people who are not qualified for such, who are not of the people of knowledge, the ulama, uh, common people such as ourselves, should never declare any individual specifically as a kafir. Subhanakallahumma, wa bihamdika, ashadu an la ilaha illa anta, Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. If there are any questions, uh, we'll take them now for five or ten minutes before the ikhama. There are some questions here uh, regarding praying over the people who die or praying for them. Number one, who defines if the people are hypocrite in these days? Well, we cannot define anyone as a hypocrite and we shouldn't define them. uh, And Allah knows best. But we can only see the signs of hypocrisy that have been described by the Prophet ﷺ. And even in spite of that, we shouldn't still declare anyone to be a hypocrite and therefore abandon prayer over them. But if we see that people have died in a condition of kufr, even though they said they were Muslims, if we see, for example, and this is a point about which there is some difference of opinion, but if we see a person who doesn't pray at all, he does not perform, he or she does not perform prayers, not at home, nor in the masjid, they don't pray at all. Then the Prophet sallam said that whoever abandons salat is a kafir. Then this abandonment of, of salat is a sign of kufr. Then many of the scholars, such as Sheikh Abdul Aziz Ibn Baz and Sheikh Muhammad Ibn Salih Al and other scholars, they said that such a person who doesn't pray uh, should not be prayed over when they die, and even they said that person should not be buried in the cemetery of the Muslims, and Muslims should not inherit from them, and so on. But as for who is a hypocrite, we are not able, and Allah knows best, to declare anyone a hypocrite. We don't know what's in people's hearts. Only Allah knows. We are not receiving revelation, and Allah knows best. If a family member dies and he or she says that they only worship one God but never actually became a Muslim. If someone, if a family member or neighbor or friend or anyone we know while they are living says they only worship one God while they are living then we should tell them to declare the shahada of Islam to say la ilaha illallah and muhammad rasulullah. And if they said such, then we would treat them as a Muslim. But if they said, I only worship one God, but they never declared the shahada. They never said, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, wa ashadu anna muhammad rasulullah. It's not sufficient just to say that I believe there's only one God. But in order to be a Muslim, a person also has to believe in the Prophet of Allah whom he has sent to be followed, to be a guide for the people and to be an example. So if someone in their lifetime said they believe there is only one God, but they didn't believe in the Prophethood of Muhammad sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, then they could not be a Muslim, no matter how much they said they believe in only one God. And even if they claim that they don't worship anything other than Allah, they cannot know how to worship Allah alone except by following the guidance of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So even though they may in their own mind thinking they may think that they are only worshipping Allah, they don't have the ability to worship Allah properly except by following the guidance of the one whom He sent to show the people how He should be worshipped. We cannot worship Allah as we will or as we think, but we can only worship Allah according to the guidance of the Prophet and that's why to enter Islam there are two statements that have to be made La ilaha illallah. And along with that Muhammad Rasulullah because the one who we say we worship him alone we can only worship him according to the guidance of Muhammad sallallahu the Messenger of Allah. So if that person never became a Muslim then we don't consider them a Muslim and we cannot treat them as a Muslim. And Allah knows best if in fact that person secretly declared their belief in Allah and in the Prophet of Muhammad but we never became aware of it and we never saw them practice such or display such a thing then we would treat them As we see them and on the day of resurrection Allah would judge them according to the secrets of their heart that he alone knows and we don't know and Allah knows best. What if a person, if someone dies mentally ill, insane and dies as a non-Muslim, what can we do regarding funeral prayer? If a person died as a non-Muslim, they didn't become a Muslim, they were not a Muslim and they were mentally ill, then it's not for us to give them the funeral prayer, the funeral prayer is for the Muslim. The people, the Ahlul Qibla, who died on Tawheed. The Muslims who died without dying on Shirk. The Salatul Janazah is for the Muslims only. If a person is not a Muslim, even if they are mentally ill, we don't have any uh, right to perform the Janazah prayer for them. The Janazah prayer is for the Muslim. And as for them being mentally ill, then the people who are mentally ill, the pen is lifted from the mentally ill, as it is lifted from the child until they reach puberty, and from the person who is sleeping until they are awake. So also the person who is mentally ill, who doesn't have control over their mental faculties, the pen is lifted from them, and Allah will judge such on the day of resurrection. Allah knows about those children. If they had grown to adulthood, who died in uh, childhood, um, He knows about them. He knows about those mentally ill people who didn't have control over their senses, and Allah will be the judge of that. But as for the funeral prayer, the funeral prayer is for the Muslims. What if a Muslim tells you that something made haram, they see lawful, guys, should you tell others regarding why you did not pray over them? What about backbiting? Of course we shouldn't backbite them. And also, even the matter of someone who says that something is lawful, which Allah has declared haram, before that person should be declared as a kafir, all of the conditions have to be fulfilled. That person first, it should be explained to them that this thing is haram, that this is unlawful, proofs should be given to them, their misunderstanding concerning those proofs should be made clear to them until they are convinced and it becomes clear to them that this thing is really lawful. If after that, then the person insists on saying, in spite of that, uh, 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 it becomes clear to them that this thing, from the evidences, that something is haram and they continue to declare it lawful, then it is the right of the scholars to...